Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church, North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Excited for what God is doing, and today we get to continue with our summer with friends series. Are you guys excited about how things have been going? How about Pastor Hosanna Wong two weeks ago? Didn't she preach the house down? How about Pastor Jeff Osborne three weeks ago? Didn't he preach the house down? And so, listen, I'm so excited because today every guest has been special, but this one's a little extra special. Today we're going to welcome Pastor Gary Isbell from Spectrum Church. And before we do that, let me just say something about him. I met Pastor Gary in 2017, and I met him in all places in Orange County. We were in a conference in Anaheim, and my wife and I, we were looking for a place to sit. So we kind of scooched in. I saw this really tall guy, and I said, let's go with him. He looks nice. So we kind of scooched in to the row next to him, and I'm sitting down, and I look at him, and I'm thinking, he looks very familiar, you know, because I live in South Bay, and I'm like, I think this is the beast cyclist out of South Bay that I've been reading about. This guy named Gary Ispel, and he has to be a, and he happens to be a pastor. So I introduced myself to him, and sure enough, I made a friendship which has really been a divine connection, and that's Pastor Gary. As we got to talking, listen, we're both pastors. We both like to ride bikes, okay? We both have a son by the name of Jude. I mean, Jude's not that common. I'm like, I got a son named Jude. And he said, I got a son named Jude. I said, he's my second boy. He said, he's my second boy. And so after that, I just knew that it was this divine connection, this divine flow. And he's been an incredible friend ever since. He's also one of our overseers at Lighthouse Church. Pastor Sam being one of them, Pastor Gary being another one. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up on your feet right now. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to get behind Pastor Gary. When he says something good, I want you to clap real big. When he says something really, really good, I want you to shout real big. But we're going to get behind Pastor Pastor Gary, as we welcome him to the platform at this time, coming to us from Spectrum Church, Pastor Gary Isbell. Hey, hey, hey. Come on, everybody, sit down, sit down. So thrilled to be here with my North County family. My adoptive name per your pastor is Grandpa. Uh, uh, the, the name is true. I've got four kids, me and my wife. We've been married for 37 years, and uh, we've got four children, boy, girl, boy, girl. Uh, she timed that, did that real good, figured that out. Uh, 34-year-old son, Michael, 32-year-old daughter, Brittany, 27-year-old son, Jude, and 24-year-old daughter, Chloe. And we've also got five grandkids, 13-year-old Isabella, 6-year-old Madison, uh, and a 6-year-old Taylor, and a four-year-old Major, and a one-year-old Aria. And so we are blessed. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all just love family? Come on, come come on. Anybody love your family? Well, it's an honor to be here. Gosh, Jimmy, the band, you guys, worship leaders just tore it up. I was like, keep on singing. Come on, somebody. Sweat. Come on. When you sweat in church, you know it's going to be good. Come on. Anybody remember church back in the day? No AC. 
hardwood floor. Come on, anybody, anybody been raised with some pews? Come on, pew, pews with no pads. Come on, somebody. Come on. And the sister back in the back, and you could hear her shuffling because her high heels were clicking and clicking and clacking. And somebody got out a hanky. Come on, how many know we're having church when a hanky comes out? Come on. And, and, and when the bobby pins got flying out of sister's hair, hitting somebody in front. Come on, we're having church. Church in the tent. I am, I am just thrilled to be here. Kind of, let me give you a little bit of backstory. Um, uh, when, when Pastor Josh asked me, we were sitting around, I think, with, with Jimmy and maybe another pastor buddy. And said, hey, yeah, we're going to be doing this thing. And, and, and I want you to come preach. And, uh, man, just immediately, God just dropped a word in my heart. And, and that doesn't happen all the time. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm really more of a teacher than a preacher. I hope today I kind of preachy-teach a little bit. Uh, I like that. But uh, uh, really, God just dropped this word in my heart for you today. Um, I'm a family guy. I love my family. I was just back in Tennessee. It's where I'm from. If you hear a twang in my voice, I was just there this past week. My mom's 87, slowing down, got some osteoporosis, got, got a little bit of memory loss. And I got two brothers that are there taking real good care of her. And she's just kind of shuffling around a little bit, you know, kind of hard-willed and doesn't want to, you know, have anybody care for her on her own, you know, still, which is good. But I got a chance to hang out with my two brothers and, and um, hear some of their stories and their families and what's going on with my, with my nephews and, and nieces. And um, I got hanging around one night with my mom and dad, and, or excuse me, my mom. My dad's gone to heaven, forgive me, but my mom. We got talking about stories of how God was so good to us when we weren't being good to God. So, so much grace uh, of stuff. Like my brother, my older brother, I, I, I'm 61. My brother's 62. My younger brother's 60. So come on, mom, mama was popping us out. Like, come on, like popcorn. And that was it. And then, then the factory got shut down, thank God. Yeah, that's back in cloth diaper days. Y'all remember those days? Ooh, help me Jesus. And so we got, they, they were just telling some stories about, like my older brother, he, he, he was in like six car wrecks. I don't remember but one. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and we were involved in, we were raised in church, but we were also raised in the world. In church every Sunday, because that was the rule at the house, but the world drew us Monday through Saturday, if you know what I mean. We were Good on the outside, but we were dead on the inside. <laughs> really dead. Drugs, alcohol, chasing skirts, all that, my brothers. But we had parents that knew how to get a hold of God. And I remember as a kid, probably 18 years old, I had a 1978 CJ5 Jeep with headers and monster truck tires and I'm from Tennessee, rag top, top, and I'd come rolling in the house, you know, kind of wigged out of my mind because I was just not with it yet, the program. And I remember one time in particular, my mom was in the living room floor with her prayer team, her intercessory prayer ladies. On the floor, listen to me, me coming in the house and hearing ladies on the floor, on their knees, just, just laying out calling out my and my brother's names. I remember going in there and it kind of like got me sober quick. Well, 
the years went on, the, the, the days went on, the weeks went on, and in the middle of July, in the middle of June, 1980, I just was done, and I surrendered my life to Jesus. Two weeks later, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. July 2nd, 1980. It'll be 41 years. My older brother, he tells the story. He said, he, I'd never heard the story. I didn't, he just told me. He said, we, I came home one night, messed up, just, to, just totally messed up. He, he hit a car and left, and the police came and, and, and just said, we saw you, and, and they let him off. I mean, it's just like he should have been in jail and all kind of stuff. And, and, and my dad talked to him and just said, listen, Bill, he said, I believe God's grace is saying this is it. This is it. Uh, there, will, there will be some other chances, but this is it right now. And he just said, I'm done. I'm done. He said this. I never heard the story. He said, I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I asked him to change me, and I repented. And he said, instantly, all the, 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 the alcohol that was in my system, all the drugs, listen, he was heavy drugs. He said, instantly, I was in my right mind, never took drugs and drank after that day. <laughs> listen to me. Jesus, God... The Holy Ghost loves your family, but he needs some cooperation. He needs you. And so if you're here today and your, your families aren't exactly where they need to be, I'm the product of a praying mom and a praying dad and who would drag us to church and make us sit. And we would be back in the back of his high school gym of a startup church. 40, when I was 16, we'd sit back in the back in the, in the gymnasium and hardwood, you know, come, hardwood floors and metal chairs and flip back and, you know, lean them back and sister would be up on the tambourine. And, but we weren't having it. But somehow, someway, the word of God was having entrance into our hearts. Today, I want to talk to you about this one thing. I believe in God to help me give it to you is this thought, fight for your families. Come on, would you say that with me? Fight for your families. Come on, let's read a scripture. Jimmy, when we read this, you may be seated afterward. <laughs> Second Samuel 21, verse 1. There was a famine during David's reign that lasted for three years. So David asked the Lord about it. And the Lord said, the famine has come because Saul, King Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. Lord, I pray today that you would use this time. It's been an amazing service already. The worship, your presence in this tent is just unusual, Lord. Unusual. The... the the anointing and separating those for ministry in the future is just simply outstanding what you're doing, Lord God. Continue through the rest of this service. Open hearts, open minds, open eyes to your word, Lord God. I pray a supernatural faith that's inside every believer will grow and be multiplied during these moments, Lord God. That faith would rise, that we would not fear, we would not draw back even though our families might not be what they're to be right now. We're going to receive a word from God 
And we're going to believe you again. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Come on, set a better amen. Amen. Come on, set a, set a tent shaking. Amen. Come on, amen. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. Come on, we all know that in the last year, 18 months, the attack against our families, um, COVID, distance learning, all kinds of stuff has gone crazy. My, my, uh, my granddaughter, who's six, uh, uh, that lives here uh, in, in Chula Vista with us, uh, you know, her going to kindergarten, and she started kindergarten online with a computer. Uh, I, I can't imagine what's gone on. Me, if I was in that environment in high school, it would not be good. So shout out to all you parents that are sticking with it with your kids. But... Uh, the rapid moral, de de, you know, decline, decay of, of cultural change that we all have endured in just this, this last season. The political craziness, how I really believe, has separated a lot of families. Has ha has really uh, wedged a, a, a really a, a, just a, a rock between parents, maybe thinking a certain way, and then kids, maybe believing something different. Uh, I really think that it's a, it, it's an attack of the enemy. And we can see it really vividly. And that's what I want to bring to you today, that if you're seeing that, if you're a part of that, there is hope, there is help, there is healing. Come on, there is restoration. There is change that can happen in your families today. Amen, everybody? Yeah. So it says here that there was a famine during David's time, and it lasted for three years, it says. And when I was reading this, I hope that just grabs your attention because I really think that there's some things that go on in our lives for a long time that we wait or we, or we let go on for a long time without addressing, like, why is this happening? Why is it three years that this is going on? Now, I know tests, I know trials, I know tribulations, I know things that happen, whether it's financially or in the job market or even with kids and marriages or, 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 or physically. I know we've all been through some stuff, and I know some things last a little longer than we want them to. But concerning this, this was going on that was unusual. And, and three years later... David just happens to ask God what was going on. Let me encourage you, don't wait three years. I don't know about you, but I use this kind of terminology. When my kids were young and they'd come home from high school, they would smell different. Not, not because they were out doing something, you know, physically, but they picked something up at school. They picked up an attitude at school. They, they, they picked up a thought at school. Come on, they picked up a little rebellion at school. They picked up something that their pants came a little saggier when they came home. <laughs> Y'all remember those days. And what's going on here in this story is that the Gibeonites were not part of Israel. If some of you all know the story is that hundreds of years earlier, Joshua made an agreement with the Gibeonites. The backstory was when Joshua was going in the land of promise, going from city to city and taking the land God said was theirs, uh, th th this group, the Gibeonites, heard about what was going on at, at Jericho, heard about what was going on at Ai, and, and then they actually sent some people that, that it, it looked like they were from hundreds of miles away, but they were just the neighboring town because they didn't want to lose their lives. And so they came and they made a pact, made an agreement, made a covenant with God. And when you go into a pact and a covenant and agreement with God, God expects you to keep it. And so these were the people that now King Saul, hundreds of years later, has killed. And he has just wiped out the remnant of these people. That's why the famine was going on. God told 
him. <laughs> this is why the famine was happening, because King Saul has, is guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. So King David goes to the Gibeonites, and he just pr pretty much says in, in chapter 21, how can we make this thing right? And the Gibeonites said, no amount of gold, you can't pay us off for what happened, but I tell you what we want you to do. Here's what will right the wrong. You give us seven sons of King Saul, and we're going to take them, and we're going to hang them before the Lord, and that will, that will appease us of this guilt of murdering our entire tribe. So David goes and finds two wives, a wife and a concubine from King Saul. Michael, a, a, a woman named Michael, and, and a woman, the concubine, named Rizpah. Michael had five sons. Rizpah had two sons. And then David gives them to the Gibeonites, which they then take to the hill, and they hang them before the Lord to pay for the crime. But something happened there that's just simply outstanding. And I don't know if you've ever read the story, so I want to read just a couple more verses and talk around these scriptures this morning. 2 Samuel 21, verse 10. After these seven sons were on the hill hanging, five from Michael's family, two from Rizpah's family, it says this, Then Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, the mother of two of the men, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She prevented the scavenger birds from tearing at their bodies during the day, and she stopped the wild animals from eating them at night. When David, when King David, verse 11 says, when he learned what Rizba, Saul's concubine, had done, he went to the people and he retrieved the bones of Saul, King Saul, and his son Jonathan, and took those seven bodies down and buried them together. It's a crazy story that even though her sons were hanging, she was saying, I'm not going to leave them in this situation. And I don't know about you, but I've had some situations with my four kids that look like they are just hanging. David gets these bodies down and he buries them. And what's crazy is I, th I think about this story and one side, one, if you will, stream of thought that really kind of penetrates me and causes me to stop is that the boys didn't do anything wrong. They didn't kill anybody. They were just married. They were in a family. They were, they were part of Saul's family, and that's the brother that should be penalized. But how many you know if your family is involved in something, you might be involved in something? They didn't do anything, but they suffered the consequences. And so, listen, moms, dads, let me just, let me just say this, and this is, I hope this doesn't make you squirm in your chairs, and there's, there's no perfect parents, and I'm not, and you're not if you're a parent in this room, and, and if you've got teenagers like the, the brother and sister up here, man, all them kids, God bless y'all. How many know you got six teenagers? You do need constant prayer, like Pastor Josh said. We need to have a prayer team allotted to them. Come on. But here's the thing, if you're involved in something that you know you should not be involved in, sin in any shape, form, or manifestation, my prayer to you, my plea to you would be something like this. You might get out of it, but your kids might not. 
So the question might be, what do you want the legacy of your family to look like? Do you want the legacy of your family to look like we're in the will of God, we're serving God? Sure, we've got rough roads. Sure, there's some things that are happening that, that aren't perfect, but we, we believe, we're believing God for the favor of God. Well, that, that we're not perfect, that, that we're not perfect parents, but we're going to keep pressing toward the mark of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Any parents like that in the room? How about y'all in the back? Anybody in the back like that? Yeah. Now, now listen, if you got some young little ones, come on, like, like, like I'm on the grandparent stage now. So, so we've, got, we've got the two six-year-olds, two girls, and then I got a boy named Major who's a tank, uh, lives in Vegas, and then I got a one-year-old. And they all cute. Come on, they cute. They kind of give you the eye sometimes. They kind of talk back a little sassy a little bit. You know what I'm saying sometimes. But how many, th- th- listen, if you're in the cute stage with your kids, God bless you. But junior high, they ain't going to be cute for a minute. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but junior high, they start getting uncute. And you got to start figuring out how you're going to talk and how you're going to train and how you're going to love and how you're going to discipline, how you're going to disciple and how you're going to lead and and what the legacy your family is going to look like. So let me encourage you. If you got young ones now, pay attention because they're going to get old in a couple of years. So what we find in this story, though, is that there's this woman, a a mom named Rispa who impacts King David so much that David actually comes from his temple, from his kingdom, from his place, and he comes to help her. He comes to help her because the, the, the news of what she did spread. She, she, she's, she's watching her sons be hung, and she's there. They are dead. They are gone, but she's not gone. That might be where you're at. And it's real easy when you see things that don't go right in your family just to go, oh, well, I'm done. It's through. It's over. My prayer for you would be that you would take in the hard place you're at, in the difficult season that you're at, but you would, you, you would humble yourself on a burlap sack that itches to say, I'm going to take this situation and believe God it's not over. It's just not over. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to plead. And I'm going to get a prayer team if I need to get a prayer team. And I'm going to call some people around to believe God with me because they might need my prayer one day. Wow. Rizpah's boys were literally, literally hanging. And figuratively, this might be where your family is right now. Figuratively. I've been there. My kids have been there. We prayed him through some crazy things, prayed him through some crazy situations. And honestly, listen, honestly, I just, I, I, I'm vulnerable. I, 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 don't, I don't try to let anybody think that I'm somewhere I'm not. We got a couple kids right now, my younger two. They're not where they need to be. And so we're still believing God. They, listen, they've known Jesus. They know the word. But right now, it doesn't look like they do. And so when I'm preaching this, this is something that me and my wife, Kimberly, we are doing. And we have got peace in the midst of a storm. Come on, somebody. We got peace. Somebody was singing up here, just turn them over to the Lord. And I think Pastor Josh was saying, just bring them to the Lord. And we're doing that all the time. We're doing that. Now, here's what I do know is that your kids got enemies coming against them. Make sure you're not one of them. They got enough enemies. Make sure you're not one of them. Here's what the scripture says we just read. Rispa, there she is. She's got her boys up there hanging. 
And it says she drove off the vultures and she drove off the wild animals. The vultures would come at the daytime and come on, you've seen Nat Geo and all kinds of things. They just pick apart the animal. They pick apart the bodies of the men. And when they were done, then the animals would come out at night. I really think this is something we need to be aware of, is that the vultures are symbolic of demonic spiritual things. Ideas, suggestions, worldly thoughts, depression, fear, anxiety, rebellion that tries to get in our kids' lives and hearts. And the wild animals, they're symbolic of demonic natural things. Listen to me. All the kids, all the friends your kids hang around with ain't sent by God. How many of y'all believe that? How many anybody's ever come to the house and you go, mm-hmm. come on, how, how many of you know when, when your daughter brought him home? Come on, how, when, when she brought him home, you went, he ain't the one to get him out. How many want to shut the door, keep out the devil? Come on, come on. Keep the devil in the night. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, come on. Anybody yet being out there like me? Like, yo, just get, just get on down the road. Like, like you just weren't even nice at the house. Yeah. Those demonic relationships, those, those soul ties and all just, just toxic, you know, just toxic stuff that starts happening. You go, you are not even you right now. You know the devil is at work. Vultures and animals trying to come for the very soul, the life of your kids. Rispa, she stood in the day when things never changed. Listen, never, never changed. She, she, she would look, and, and they're still hanging there. And if, and if you've ever been through this like I have, you, you know, you're talking to your kids, and, and they're looking at you with that glazed eye, just glazed eyes. And like somebody said, they're standing up on the outside, but they're sitting down on the inside. They might, they might be looking at you like, 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 like my mom. My mom's a cutie now. She's 87. And we get talking to her, and, and, and I'm, I'm trying to get her to like do something. Like, Mom, hey, let's get up and go take a little walk around here. Now, she, she, she's at the age she gets up in the morning and puts on her little slippers. Like, 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 like she, not even shoes anymore. She's just kind of scooting around the hardwood floor. And I said, let's put on some tennis shoes, Mom, and go right out here. And she says, she says okay. And she says, I'll think about it. You know what I think about it means? It ain't going to go on. It's just not, it's just not happening. But she's just being nice with me. And just like our kids sometimes, yeah, yeah. But, but on the inside, their hearts turned. Rispa didn't move by what it looked like. And I'm asking you, don't be moved by what it looks like. She stood in the day. She stood at night. Listen, the Bible says she stayed there during the entire harvest season. She was there day in, night. On burlap. Somebody bringing some food in. Come on. There's no door dash. There ain't nobody. Come on. Somebody's helping the girl out. And she's praying. She's looking. She's keeping the vultures off. She's keeping the wild animals off. But nothing's changed until what she did came to the attention of David. Jesus' mom, Mary, I kind of think about her. She sort of did the same thing when her son was on the cross. And she watched in pain what was going on in his life as she was crucified. As a parent, I hate to tell you, if you're not there yet, as a parent, 
you're going to see pain up close. But what you do in those moments is going to be huge. And what you do in that season is going to be huge. When what she did came to the attention of David, the scripture says that David ordered all seven of those boys to be cut down. They got the bones of King Saul and his son Jonathan, and they buried them all together. Listen to me. I believe with all my heart that your prayer positions your kids for God to move in their lives. It just positions them. There was a lady in our church, and she's since moved to... um, Arizona, and she was, uh, come on, she was just fiery. She, she was grandma, her, her son and daughter-in-law go to her church too, and uh, a couple of grandkids, and she was just fiery grandma. And she had one grand, great, or grandson, grandson, his name was Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was wild child. I mean, he was just wild. He was just not, he couldn't serve God more than 18 hours a day. Come on, I mean, you know what I mean? 18 hours the longest, and that was it. Then he went on a tangent, and he was, he was just crazy. And, and she would say, she would say, Jeremiah, Jeremiah's going to be a preacher. Jeremiah, come on, I know what Jeremiah 1 says, is that, is that he stands before God. He's called by God. That's what my grandson's going to be. She kept praying. She kept believing. This brother moved to Northern California. He was, a, he was like away from God. He was hooking up and all kind of stuff. All of a sudden, in all of that mess, somehow, some way, he wound up in the church. He got saved. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. I just saw him about three weeks ago at church. He's fired up. He's preaching. He's leading a little group now. Come on, his life turned around because somebody wouldn't be moved in the day and somebody wouldn't be moved at night when fear hits you. Come on, would you wake up in the middle of the night? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now and you go, where are my kids? Where are they at? Who are they with? What's going on in their lives? Prayer will position them. Your prayer is being heard by God, even though you might not see anything changing right now. In the Old Testament, many times, the Old Testament names that we read about really have a prophetic declaration that's attached to them. What's really interesting is that the name Rispa, the name means pavement or hot stone. Check it out. That's what her name means. I really think that that was a prophetic declaration of who she was and what she needed to be in every season of her life, but even especially when this happened to her two sons. Pavement, meaning she was going to be strong like pavement. She was going to be firm. She wasn't going to melt. She wasn't going to cave in. And she was going to be like a hot stone. She was going to be passionate. She wasn't going to give up. She was going to be full of fire saying, God, you're going to do something in my life. You're going to do something with my kids. This isn't the way it's always going to be. This is going to change in their lives. I, 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 I love... I love the book of Nehemiah. I'm just going to preach for you a few more minutes today. Someone told me if I just preach a little bit, a long, just, just, just shorter, it's going to be more impactful. And I, I believe that. I believe that. So, Jimmy, come on up. Help me, brother. Nehemiah 4.14. I love the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a regular guy. Nehemiah had a cush job when you read, it, when you read the book. He, he, he was, he was the, 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 the king's cupbearer which meant he, he, was, he was cutting off uh, the filet mignon and drinking the wine, make sure it wasn't poison. That was what he did. 
Come on. Everything he ate, everything he drank was that good. He had a great job until one day he heard that Jerusalem, his city, was, uh, was burned with fire and the walls were broken down. And in the middle of that situation, God dropped a vision in his heart to go back and rebuild the walls and, and help the people in their situation restore the dignity of God and restore the valor of the word of God and what God wanted to do in Jerusalem. Normal guy, normal woman, we'd say, but God was going to use him in a very powerful way. And so he began getting the people together. He, he, the Bible says he walked around for three days and he scoped out the situation, that, 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 then got the people together and, and told them what God put on his heart to do. And, and they all rallied around and said, let us rise and build. How many know that's a, that's a rallying call for North County? Come on, with the new building, let us rise and build. Come on, everybody. But how many know when you're going to build, when you're going to rise up, there's always going to be a vulture? There's always going to be some wild animals. There's going to be some things that try to kind of huff and puff and try to blow your house down. Things that come to you, things that come to your kids, things that try to come against the will of God. Even though it is the will of God, there will always be an adversary called the devil. He's seeking whom he may devour. Scripture says, resist him. Come on, somebody. Steadfast in the faith. That's what you do. You resist him. You submit to God. You resist the devil, and he will flee. Come on, somebody. But you got to do that. Not, not, not what you did last week. What you doing today? When that thought comes, when that feeling comes, when that emotion comes, when those kids come home. You got to do it. This, this is your posture all the time. Ephesians 6, 10. Come on. It tells us there throughout that whole scripture. Be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him. That strength which is boundless might supplies. Put on the whole armor of God. Come on, church. Because you got an adversary and you need to know how to stand against him. In prayer. All that armor is for verse 18. Praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication. Praying with all kinds of prayer. Getting your friends together. Praying scripture. Praying in the spirit. Come on. Binding, loosening, come on, Cost, casting down, raising up. Come on, somebody, all of it. Use all kinds of prayer. Yeah. So Nehemiah, he's building. Come on, he's doing God's will. But it looks like the enemy's coming, which he is. Get used to the enemy being around your camp. It's okay. It's okay. You just keep doing what God's called you to do. I love wildlife videos and stuff like that. I'm on, I'm on some stuff on IG, and, and like I, I'm like in the hyenas against the lions. Come on, somebody. I don't know about y'all, but come on. I'm like Lion King. Kill them, kill them hyenas, man. Come on. I mean, they go they get an animal, and then all of a sudden, come on, like, like, like true lions, you know, like, like the lionesses, they do most of the hunting, if you've seen it. They do most of the killing, and then the big lion, come on, Papa comes home and shuns them all away and eats the kill. Come on, just like Daddy coming home from, let, come on. The carne is mine, baby, let's go. Let's get some tortillas over here. That's mine. But then all of a sudden, you start hearing that, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, y'all heard it, because y'all laughed, you heard it. Them hyenas are coming. Come on, they're coming to try to get what's yours. They're trying to get what's yours. And I like it. Listen to me. The hyenas will never mess with a kill 
when Papa's there. Listen, zero. Zero will miss. If the mama's there, they're going to try to come. Come on, they're going to 18 of them brothers and sisters. They're going to try to come and get it, which they will. They'll drive away the lionesses. But if Papa's there, come on, somebody, they're going to put a hurt into them brothers because one bite right there snaps the vertebrae, and they're gone. They're gone. If you're a single mom, I believe God will anoint you with some Papa spirit. Yeah, he will. Come on. You're, if you're the head of the house right now, I mean, you're, you're, you don't, that's, that's the way it is. God, God's going to help you, so don't think, oh, God, what am I going to do? But listen to me. Dads, let's be strong dads for Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on, let's read this. So, so, so Nehemiah gets everybody together, and he's building, but then the enemy comes. Check it out, Nehemiah 4.14. Nehemiah 4.14. We might have it. Oh, there we go. Them guys in the back, man, you guys are good. Then as I looked over the situation, Nehemiah talking, I, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said, don't be afraid of the enemy. Come on, say that with me. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your home. Come on, come on, somebody, fight. Fight. Come on, fight. If you got a Mike Tyson, bite off, a, bite off an ear. Come on, somebody. I don't know. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Then you'll get a crazy tattoo, and that won't be good, so don't do that. Three things, three things, three things. Look at this. Don't be afraid. Come on, say that with me. Don't be afraid. Listen to me, moms, dads, caretakers, grandpas, grandmas, looking at the kids. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Listen, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Strong, mighty, valiant. The one who's never been defeated. Alpha, Omega, beginning, end. The captain of the hosts of the armies of heaven. Come on. Remember him. But he says, fight for your family. Fight. Fight for your family. Scripture says this, that when Nehemiah and Israel positioned themselves against the enemy, God then frustrated their plans. Check it out. You position yourself, we're going to pray up in here. Mm -mm, that's not the way, I, I, I can see it, Rispa. <laughs> it's uncomfortable right here. I'm in pain. I see it, and I'm hearing. But that's not the way it's always going to be. So I'm going to position myself on my knees in a place of authority, and I'm going to get my Bible. I'm going to get some friends, text some scriptures, whatever I'm going to do. I'm saying this family right here, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. When you read Nehemiah, the scripture says he had a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. That's what he did with the brothers. They had a tool and a weapon. Listen, you have to build and you have to battle at the same time. Listen to me. Let, let, me, let, me, go, let, me, let, let me go right field here for a second. I know your kids are really great at soccer. And I know you got the next little, you know, what, what, what's her name? Little gymnast. I, I, know, I, I know she's going to be world changer, you know, Tokyo 2059. <laughs> I know she is. And I know you're building that in them. 
And I, and I know they're going to be the next Tatis. I, I know they'll probably hit four homers when they play for Padres. But if they sign that contract and they don't know Jesus, they still go to hell. And I'm not either, I'm not, I'm not either or, I'm both and. You got to figure that out. My son played football all through high school. He, he, every day I was there at football practice. And then we took him to church on Wednesday night. And we, come on, we just did it. We just did it. We just did it. But if you couldn't, if we, we just made up our mind. If we couldn't do it, we're going to church. Kids, we're just going to church. God's going to make a way. You have to build and you have to battle. It never stops. In Nehemiah chapter 3, the word built is used six times. And the word repaired for that wall is used 38 times. So li listen to me, parents. Your home constantly, constantly needs building and repairing. And you will constantly be in a spiritual battle. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Even when it doesn't look like there's a battle going on, there's a battle brewing. And God will forewarn you at times. And other times, I'll be honest with you, it, it just kind of side swipes you. Didn't see it coming. But if you didn't see it coming, how many know God saw it coming? Come on, everybody. And he'll help you. But you take the armor of God and you take prayer and you take the weapons that God gives you. So in closing, let me just give you three ways we fight. Three ways we fight. Number one, we fight in prayer. We fight in prayer. Our fight's not against flesh and blood. These vultures, these wild animals that come, you know, the kids that come to the house or whatever going on at school, we're not coming against them. We're not going to drive to somebody's house and have a big deal outside their house. No, 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 no. We're going to pray. We're going to fight in prayer. We're not going to relegate this to last resort. This is the first thing we do. We pray without ceasing. We intercede. We stand in the gap. We pray for our kids. We pray for our friends. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not faint, not give up, not turn back, not quit. That's what we do. We always pray. We win the battle in the unseen realm first, then we win the battle in the seen realm second. Always in the unseen first. Fight in prayer. And we fight in faith. We fight in faith. What do you mean? We, we, we're not, just not going to be moved by what we see. We're not going to be moved by what we hear. We're going to do what Jesus said. We're going to have faith in God. We see a mountain. We see difficulty. We see that crazy thing going on in their life, but I'm not going to be moved. What did Jesus say? We're going to speak to that mountain. We're going to declare words of blessing over them. We're going to wash them with the water of the word. We're going to sanctify them. We're going to separate them from that and sanctify and separate them unto him. We're going to speak to our mountain. We're going to speak the word. So I'm going to challenge you to speak words of blessing over your kids and your family. It's so easy to speak what you see. So speak what you want. Don't speak what you see. Speak what the word says. Let me kind of go old school. Some of y'all, you need to go into your kids' bedrooms at night and get out your holy oil. Come on, come on. Any parents like me? Come on, we going in. Come on, we, we anointing the pillow. Yeah, we are. Come on, those kids come in bed at night, slip, right out. Just right out. Don't know what hit them. Fight in faith. Come on, somebody say, fight in prayer. Fight in faith. Lastly, fight in love. Come on, say it with me. Fight in love. Keep allowing compassion, mercy, grace, kindness to flow through you. Come on, love never fails. Come on, somebody, love never fails. 
So, so we're going to walk in forgiveness. We're not going to hold it over. We're not going to say you're never going to change. No, we're going to walk in love. So, so we're going to do things. We're going to th do things spiritually. We're going to do things naturally. Uh, guess what? We're, we're going to. We're still going to wash their clothes if you wash their clothes right now. We're, we're still going to cook their meals at night because we're going to be just like Jesus to them. We're not going to stop all that. So there's things that you do spiritually, there's things that you do naturally because we believe that God wants us to have a household of faith and God wants our families to make it to the finish line. So we're not going to settle. We're, not going, to, we're going to look beyond what it looks like right now. We're going, to, we're going to walk in faith. We're going to fight in faith. We're going to fight in love. We're going to fight in prayer. Do not do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. How big is God to you? What's he done for you? Remember what he's done for you. Fight for your family. Keep the vultures and the wild animals from taking your kids in a place that God has not ordained them to be. God loves your kids, your grandkids. He loves your families. Come on, all over the room, would you just bow your head? I, I, I sure do not want to embarrass anyone, but I for sure want this God moment to be sealed this morning. If you're in the room, no one's looking around, but if you're in the room, and while I've been preaching, you've been thinking about your family and where they're at and what's going on, and you're saying, I just need some extra prayer up in here today. I'm needing God to touch me and touch my family. Come on, all over the room. Lift your hand. Would you do that? All over the room. God bless you. Come on, God bless you. I don't know, 20, 25 hands all over the room. God bless you all. Keep your hand up for a minute. Keep your hand up for just a second. Father God, every, every hand, every heart, every life, oh God, in this room, every, every grandchild, every son, every daughter, Oh, God, we pray laborers across their path. Give them laborers, Father, that will, they'll listen to, their, their hearts would be open to, oh, Lord. Father, we pray that they would be, be, be discontent in the sin and, and the displacement that they're in. Father God, we pray today that light would shine in the darkness. We pray that they'd hear a word behind them. We pray that they would be like, like, like the prodigal son, that he would come to themselves, bring, bring them to a right mind, oh, God, today, and turn their situation around. Father, we pray that they would come home, that, that they would come back to the border, their own home. They would come back from the camp of the enemy. Father God, we prophesy life back in them. We prophesy salvation into them, Lord God. Give them a heart that would be open. Give them an ear that would hear. Father, we, we pray that you would be a hedge of protection around them, oh God. That you would hedge them in even in a season where they might be running from you. Oh God, you're so good. You are a good, good father. Loving, heavenly father. We know you as father. Let our children know you as father. We pray, oh Lord, for your glory in our families. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, amen and amen. Come on, everybody, amen. Come on, raise your hand. Would you do that? Lord, we love you. Come on, we love you.
We love you today all over the room. We love you, Lord. You're good. You're good. We bless your name. We bless your name. It's been a, just a phenomenal honor to be with you. I don't believe that God does anything by chance, as Pastor Josh said four years ago or so. We met, and we've been just friends, and, and um, I'm strengthened uh, so much by him. He might think that I'm, I give something to him, but I, I receive so much from your pastor. He is, uh, uh, he is an unusual man in a good way. Joanna, what a, what, what a wife, what a support man, and, and the three boys. I, I think what's so interesting with church, Pastor Sam can attest to, and Pastor Angie, is that when something is so good, you get used to it being so good. And maybe you've, you've been around and you've been in an unhealthy church. If this is your first time or this is your home church, let me encourage you. This is a place of health and spiritual strength that God will keep working in your life. So keep plugging in. Keep doing everything that God's got on your heart. And God is going to take you from glory to glory. Can you say amen? Come on, welcome Pastor Josh again. We love you. God bless you. Come on, Lydas. Let's stand up on if this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.